Hello and welcome to the Please Be Seated podcast. Today I'm joined with David Austin. Uh, David, could you introduce yourself to our listeners, please? Certainly, Luke. Uh, I am the chief executive of the BBFC. That's the UK's independent film and video regulator. And so I know a lot of our listeners come from um, other countries. Um, So what separates the BBFC's guidelines mostly from things like the MPAA? Because obviously there are differences. There there certainly are. So we uh, classify... um, on according to standards given to us by the uh, the public in the UK. So every four years, we talk to around 10,000 members of the public, the length and breadth of the UK. So we go up to Scotland, to Belfast, go to Wales, all over England. And we, we talk to people about what they think is acceptable at the different age categories in terms of the depictions of sex, violence, language, discrimination, drug misuse, all those things. And we started doing this research back in the late 1990s and um, we've been doing it for the last 20 years. And if you looked at what the public thought was acceptable back in the 1990s compared to what they think is acceptable now, you might see quite a a significant shift. Whereas between each set of guidelines, because they're only four or five years apart, uh, the shifts tend to be much less uh, pronounced. So we track social changes in the UK, social trends, what's acceptable, what's not acceptable, and we um, we set the standards accordingly. So Mark Kermode, the film critic, described our guidelines that are based on this exercise as the BBFC's contract with the British public, and that's how we see it as well. Okay, uh, brilliant. So that's, so I've, I've answered the first bit. That's how we derive our standards. Now, other countries do different things. So the MPAA will reflect uh, societal attitudes in the United States and the same goes for other classification bodies around the world that they reflect what the public's what families want in in those particular countries so the standards do vary quite a bit um, so obviously to be quite relevant you've uh, recently changed a lot of the logos and designs for the classifications uh, was there any main reason behind that was it just that they were due to an update yeah, well, we last updated the, the the symbols in 2002. The main reason behind this latest change that we brought in um, just a, a week or so ago uh, was nothing to do with our standards, um, our classification standards, but much more to do with um, there being a strong demand from families and from teenagers in particular. And 95% of teenagers want this, which is consistency of ratings across different platforms. So people want to see the same ratings on streaming platforms that they know from the cinema and from DVD. And uh, we've created these symbols that that shrink very easily to the size of of an iPhone, for example. And you may well have seen, Luke, some of uh, our symbols already on Netflix. Netflix pulled them out um, back in October. So um, we're really pleased with with the response of industry and the response of of the public to uh, to our new symbols, which we think look great on online platforms. And you may well have seen them at the cinema as well. We, we launched the, the symbols at the cinema in partnership with Disney. Um, Disney released their film Maleficent 2, and we had a competition involving school children from around the UK to design a, a black card for Maleficent, so that, that for our new uh, symbol. And it reflected the the film and the and the new symbols that we're that we've rolled out. I guess I think it's great how much um, work and involvement you have with the BBFC with the general public. It's not just a you know a, a, sep- a separate thing. You take people's views and you even as I, with having the children getting involved. I think that's that's brilliant. Um, when can we expect the new logos to come out on home video and things then? 
slightly later, sometime in 2020. So what uh, needs to happen for them to come out on, on um, home video is for there to be a change in the law. So the uh, labelling regulations, which date from 2016, need to be updated slightly so that our new pink 15 symbol and our new orange 12 symbol can appear on DVD and Blu-ray packaging, uh, because at the moment the law specifies that the, the symbols have to be white with red writing. Um, and we think that they should be pink and orange, and so does the government. I think it's it, it's great, I think, as well, to have the the 12 and the 15 have a different design because they, they were quite similar in colouring and design. I agree. I think it's much, it's much easier for people to, to see the difference at a glance between 12 and 15 and with the new symbols than it was under the old ones. Um, so the, the film that you decided for us to discuss today is The Hunger Games. So did you first experience this when it came in for classification or did you have a, a different experience with it? Yeah, I, I first experienced the film and the book um, at the same time when they, they, the, the film came in for classification. I'm, I'm, I'm not a huge reader of uh, young adult fiction, uh, although uh, my, my kids are. Um, so I was unaware, really, of The Hunger Games until it came in for classification. And um, it came in, in in 2012. And as I'm sure your, your listeners know, it's, a, it's an adaptation of the 2008 young adult um, dystopian novel. Uh, which is set in a future version of the US where each part of the country has to send tributes to take part in this um, Hunger Games in which uh, teenagers essentially fight to the death in the eponymous Hunger Game. So we saw it for advice uh, in, in January 2012 in an unfinished version. So we offer uh, advice viewings for studios for, for any customer that's looking for a particular age rating. Um, and they will often send us an unfinished version of a film. Sometimes they send us a script and nothing more than that because they haven't started shooting. But in this case, in the Hunger Games case, it was an unfinished version of the film and they were very keen to secure a 12A. And the version that we that we saw, we advised them would need to be cut for 12A because as it stood, it was um, 15 if, if, if the film was finished in the way that we saw it um, for um, some quite gory images of wounds and some quite bloody scenes such as the uh, famous cornucopia scene in which the children um, are set um, on pedestals and the, the siren sounds and they have to start gathering weapons and killing each other. That scene was, was quite bloody in the, in the version we saw. Yeah. So, we, so we advised them they needed to make cuts for, for 15, for 12A before they sent it in for formal classification. And the 15 version is, of course, available in an extended Blu-ray cut as well, I believe, isn't it? It is, it is. It's not exactly the version that we saw because that was unfinished. Um, so at around the same time that they sent it to us for advice, they the distributors put it into the MPAA for classification and the MPAA advised the distributor that as things stood, the film would get an R rating in the state, so they needed to make some cuts for PG-13. Uh, which is what they did. And then um, they submitted for formal classification the, the US cut PG-13 version. Now, um, unfortunately for them, we still did not think this could be squared with our 12 guidelines. You, you mentioned earlier in the podcast, Luke, the difference in standards between some countries. Yeah. And one of the differences in standards between the MPAA and the BBFC 
is that the MPAA tends to be more tolerant of violence and threat and horror at PG-13 uh, than, than we are at 12A. Um, they tend to be less tolerant of consensual sex between adults than we are, but more tolerant of, of violence and threat. Because is there a bit of a difference in strong language as well? Because I know the film About Time is an R in America and a 12 in the UK, and I was wondering whether that was... <laughs> I think, like yeah, I think um, there's some similar, similarities over language, but we take context much more into account, I would say, than the MPAA, where it can be much more of a simple counting game. Um, yeah. that's, that's something we see in, in PG-13 horror movies as well in the US. So you can get something like um, the Sam Raimi film, Drag Me to Hell, which yeah. um, got a PG-13 in the States, um, but we gave it a 15 here. Um, and we, and it, for us, it's not just a question of visual detail on screen. It's a question of the impact and the tone and the context of a film that will that will have a have an influence on the classification we give it. Um, and this was a, a case with the Hunger Games. It was still too strong for our 12A, even though it's been passed by the MPAA at at, um, at PG 13. So we then asked the com <laughs> company said we will we will classify this at 15, but if you want a 12A. You need to remove some of the blood splashes uh, from the cornucopia scene and some of the close-ups of gory and festering wounds on some of the characters. Um, and this the company did. So the, the 12A and the 12 version that you can see in the UK have all the blood removed from the cornucopia scene. In the 15 version, you see that there are blood splashes on, um, some on, a, on a case. There's some blood splashes in the air as... Uh, as people get stabbed, but all of the, all of all of the blood has been removed from, from the 12A version, as have the sort of the close-ups of, of gory wounds, and in all about 20 seconds of content was altered. So not just removed. So when we say something is cut, it doesn't mean it's necessarily the film is 20 seconds shorter if we have 20 seconds of cut, because in some cases it would be substituted material. And in the case of the cornucopia scene, what happened is that the blood had been added digitally, so that blood oh, yeah. was just just removed digitally in the same way that it was added. Um, and so you've said that you can, you know, they can suggest and be keen for a particular age rating. You can tell them the cuts they need to make. Um, yeah. Can it can it happen in the other way? Like if they if they want it to be higher, could you tell them you need to add like some very strong language here or add something here to get it up? Yes. So we, I mean, our job is to. I mean, our, the most important part of our job is to help families across the UK choose content that's right for them and give them, you know, really trusted, really trusted advice to, to help them make right decisions for them and their children. Um, but we are aware that uh, we also have to serve industry, even though the public is a, and, and the families in the UK are primary, primary reason we exist. And if a company says we want this film to have a, a 15 or an 18, it's always helpful for us to know. And we can work with them to achieve the rating that what they want. In most cases, in some cases, it's not possible because um, it might be a tonal issue um, rather than an issue of detail in a particular scene that that has an impact on the classification. But we, if if a company's keen to get a particular rating, we we will work with them to to achieve that rating if 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 it's at all possible. And we do occasionally get. Uh, we have occasionally classified a film 15 where the company has said, actually, you know what, we would really like an 18. Um, how do we go about getting an 18? I can give you one example. So when I was an, when I was examined at the BBFC a few years ago, I had a, um, a stand up comedy DVD to classify. And um, 
what was noticeable in this stand-up comedy DVD is that the comedian in person, who shall remain nameless for now, um, had clearly used the C word a great deal throughout this um, throughout this one and a half hour stand-up routine, yeah. but every single use had been bleeped out. So um, the, the 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 rest of the routine had plenty of sex references and other strong language that essentially put 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 the uh, the stand-up routine at fifteen. Um, and the company said, actually, we want an A scene how do we get an 18 so the simple answer in this case was just unbleep all the uses of the c word that ran there were very very many of them that ran throughout the uh, the routine and then you can have an 18 which is what they did in some cases a company sometimes in, in in relation to a horror film we'll give the horror film a 15 and the company say well they'd really like an 18 and what they they might do in that case is add a trailer that has already been classified 18 or add some bonus material yeah uh, that is 18 rated to get the overall um set of you know, film and everything else with it up to 18. Because I think I heard somewhere that the intention originally for Shaun of the Dead was that they wanted uh, an 18 and added the C word in and then it ended up getting passed at a 15 anyway. Uh, that may or may not be true. It may be urban legend. I, I actually classified Shaun of the Dead when it, came, when it came into the BBFC and we had seen it for advice um, and when I looked at the form that the company had filled in with the request. We, we ask companies to tell us what rating they're looking for. That makes no difference as to whether they get that rating, but it's helpful for us to know in case we're looking at cuts and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and when I got the, the form that the company had filled in, they had said they would like an 18. Anyway, I watched the, the film with one of my colleagues and we both felt that it was quite in line with the guidelines at 15. Um, yeah. Some of the strongest moments, for example, when one of the members of Sean's gang has his arms and legs pulled off one by one. That's probably the goriest scene and the most violent scene in the film. Yeah. It's kind of played for laughs. Um, and the film as a whole, as you know, is a comedy, a comedy horror. And we felt that the comedy really detracted from from the horror and the violence in a way that made the film acceptable at 15 under our guidelines rather than 18. Um and I think in the end, the company was happy to accept a 15. And I, I stand by that classification yeah. all these years later. It was, it was fine at 15. Um, and when you are classifying, do you have to put into consideration the fact that you're, that younger people are likely to be watching it with their families or, you know, against the age ratings? Or do you just have to assume that everyone abides by them? Well, we know that um, with the rise of streaming platforms, for instance, you know, we work very closely with Netflix and we put our ratings on, on Netflix. And you'll see our new symbols there. You know, we, we all know that in, in the real world, although cinemas are pretty well um, policed, um, Netflix doesn't have the same kind of restrictions that stop, un, stop underage viewing. But we have to classify according to what the public tells us they think is suitable for a 12-year-old or a 15-year-old, not not taking into account that, that content may be, um, you know, the people, that younger children may view that content. I mean, we do provide on streaming platforms the rating to help people make informed decisions. We accept and we completely understand that it's not a bar. But we do know from our, uh, our work with, with teenagers that... Um, Many of them do use our ratings, and they're the ones that most want our ratings online, 95% of them. And they want them for a couple of reasons. First of all, to help them make choices. So we know, for instance, that some some teenagers will avoid horror films that have been given an 18 rating, because they yeah. think it's been given an 18 for a reason. I don't want to be really, really scared by 18-level horror. So we know that they use it for self-policing. 
And we also know that they use it uh, in relation to their younger brothers and sisters. What we found with, uh, in our research with, with children across the UK is they are really protective. They're very sensible. You know, they don't always get the credit that, that, that they deserve. They're very sensible and they're very protective of their younger siblings. And they will use the age ratings to help um, them guide their younger siblings in what they watch. Yeah, um, I had a question. It's gone. I suppose it's it's a, a good point to sort of slide slowly into the uh, the content of the Hunger Games at the start. Um, so uh, we open with stuff which I assume is probably not of any age written concern with the information about the games, and then uh, Katniss calming Prim about how she won't be picked mm-hmm. um, and we've got her about to go hunting before getting uh, distracted um, and I'm ash- uh, what do the BBFC have to look into like the treatment of animals and things on on film and on set we do we do it's in fact um, there is a law from 1937 that governs um, how animals are treated in film this goes back to concerns in the UK back in the 1930s about how horses in particular were treated in Hollywood Westerns at the time, where it was routine for them to be killed in accidents on on set and not not looked after very well. And this was a real concern to people in the UK. Now, there's nothing that the UK Parliament could have done to uh, have a direct, you know, to direct how films are shot in other countries. So what Parliament did was something quite clever in 1937 with the Animals Act, and that is to say it's illegal to exhibit a film the making of which involved genuine animal cruelty. And that has that piece of legislation has arguably had quite an impact in terms of protecting animals on set. Uh, so um, nowadays we see very regularly with films coming from the United States that the American Humane Association was on set and can confirm that no animals were harmed in the making of this film. So it's it's actually been quite a significant piece of legislation in terms of promoting animal welfare, and it goes back to, you know, not far off a century, certainly before the Second World War, that um, this country introduced that legislation. So even today, if if we get a film, and they're usually made um, overseas, if we get a film in which an animal has been cruelly treated um, for the purpose of making a film, we will we are obliged by law to to. Uh, required the filmmaker to cut that scene before it's exhibited in cinemas in the UK. But with The Hunger Games, we had no concerns that um, animals were cruelly um, treated, because they weren't. So it wasn't an issue at all in this case. Um, So we then have Katniss and Gail talking about The Hunger Games, and we've got the whole scene with the Mockingjay pin as she gives it to uh, Prim. Then they all line up to find who is chosen, and Primrose is chosen, and so... Uh, Katniss volunteers as tribute. Now, I mean, obviously, I assume this one doesn't have so much of of the of the effect, but I suppose it's a good point to talk about sort of emotion and how that would affect the BBFC classification. Does that come in at all, like the the strong tonal emotion or? Yes, it it absolutely can do. And we took into account the theme as well in the, in, in the classification of this film. I mean, this is a film in which young people are forced to kill each other. And that's not a theme that we would classify at you, for example. It's, yeah. you know, <laughs> it's rather a dark theme. And I think children need a certain amount of emotional maturity to be able to cope with the concept. So that was already, we were looking in the area of perhaps 12A already at that stage for the for, for thematic elements and for the, yeah. The tonal quality of, uh, of 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 the film at that stage too. 
I've got a um, just just as a sign as to how how much I really like an interest in the whole age rating things. I've got a framed version of the BBFC guidelines right on my desk, and I see yeah. that the uh, um, that in fifteen there's no restrictions as to the theme. Uh, when did that decision come about? Um, to be honest, at twelve A there were there's, there's very few themes that aren't appropriate at twelve A. Um, and by the time I think children and young people reach the age of 15, there's, you know, we we can see from our research with them what pe- that they tell us they expect and what their parents tell us they expect. That there's no theme really that is uh, provided the treatment is, is appropriate yeah. for 15 year olds that can't can't be dealt with. So we've had you know, quite challenging themes like um, suicide and self harm and paedophilia at 15, provided the treatment is. Is not extreme, promotional, um, overly graphic. In which case, that would be put up to 18, and in some cases, might not be acceptable at all. Uh, were the BBFC at all involved in the decision with um, 13 Reasons Why as to cutting the the scene recently from Series One, or was that not something you were involved with? The the, the cutting of the scene wasn't something we were involved in at all. I mean, Netflix let us know that they were going to do it. Um, we classified season one at 18. Most of the episodes were okay at 15, but that was one of the 18 level episodes there with the, with the graphic suicide. Um, and there were a number of outcries in, in countries like New Zealand um, about the, 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 particular, the particular scene. And I think based on reaction that Netflix got around the world and conversations they subsequently had with, with experts, they decided on their own to, um, to remove that scene. So with the cut, does the episode still stand as an 18, or has it been lowered? Yeah, I imagine it would be lower. It would be lower. I'm not sure if we've seen it again. Um, I mean, the overall classification of the series remains unaffected at 18. So when you click onto 13 Reasons Why on Netflix, you'll see 18 for each episode, because that is the overall classification of the series. I've noticed that quite a bit, because I'm like bouncing through a lot of Louis Theroux documentaries at the moment, and even you know watching the ones that are you know 12 rated it always comes up the rated 18 which i suppose is is good as for the whole series but it is it would sort of in my mind at least be be preferable for netflix to give the individual episode yeah i mean there's, there's a couple of reasons why they why they give a classification to the entire series part of that is for um advising parents so what they were worried about is let's say the opening couple of episodes of a series were 12 or even PG, but the series gets tonally darker as it goes along and the classification goes up. So you could start with the first episode, say a PG, and the and the eighth episode of the series as an 18th, theoretically. Yeah. So what they didn't want to do is to encourage children to start watching the early episodes um, and then parents being concerned that they were potentially watching uh, content that was appropriate for 15 or 18 year olds later in the series. So they did it as a kind of child protection, parental reassurance measure. And if you think about it, it actually reflects DVD packaging. So if there's a, a box set of, of, I don't know, let's say five films or a 24 episode um, TV series, uh, it's the highest classification that you'll see appear, but not every episode or not every film will necessarily achieve that high classification. And is it a specific rule with with a box set that all the discs have the age rating for the content of that disc, or do they sometimes have the age rating for the content of the whole series on them? You have to repeat that question. I'm not sure so, I understood it. <laughs> probably phrased it in the worst way. But like, say I have like 
I mean, I, I can't remember how it is, but say I've got like a box set of Blackadder, for example. Yeah. And the, the whole series is rated 15, mm-hmm. but maybe one of the series is one is rated 12. Does that disc have to say 12 on it, or could they decide to give every disc the classification of the whole set? Each disc within a box set has to have the classification of the highest classified episode. Okay. Um, so the overall, the pack, out of packaging has the classification of the highest episode or episodes, um, and each disc has to have the highest classification. So it's possible, I suppose, you could get disc one that has 12s and 15s and would be rated 15, and disc two has only 12s, in which case it, that disc would be rated 12, but the out of okay. packaging would still carry 15. So I suppose if if the the series was sent to you as a whole rather than as individual episodes, would mm. it just get an overall rating for all the discs rather than individual? I know that's a really silly question, but it's, it's not. It's a... not silly. It's quite. I mean, it's 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 stuff stuff we deal with. Uh, you should come and work here. You said so. You'd be ideally suited, Luke. Uh, it's 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 an issue that we um, that we deal with. So um, remind me of the question again. I was just saying your question wasn't yeah, silly. Yeah. If if the if the series was handed to you as a whole, oh, yeah, yeah, then yeah. I assume okay, each it. disc, yeah. Yeah. So what we do is we give an overall classification. Let's say we get, for the sake of argument, um, a season of Friends. And it's got 10 episodes, or however many episodes it's got. Let's say it's got 10 episodes. And um, the overall classification is a 15. Now, that might be for one episode alone. So what we do is we classify each individual episode um, and we're able to give the company a classification per episode and an overall classification. The overall classification is what Netflix will put on on its platform in the UK and it's what the company will put on um, the DVD packaging. But we, we absolutely can classify and do classify each individual episode in addition to the whole series. Okay, and to go back into the the Hunger Games in a random jump here, um, we've got that um, Peter is also chosen, and uh, Primrose gives Katniss uh, the pin back, and she says goodbye to her family and Gail. Um, uh, so I'm just going to skim through a lot of these notes because obviously they're not major talking points mm-hmm. um katniss and peter have a big meal and meet hamish hamish tells them they need to get sponsors in order to win and all tributes have to prepare um for the parade and we've got the whole dressing on fire um which i suppose is uh the, the point to talk about sort of dangerous behavior maybe inimitable so i've not not necessarily in this film but just a, a, a opportunity to bring up that conversation yeah. and decision of yes so- there as you say, not not in this film particularly because it's a fantasy, and you know that is a fantastical scene in which her dress is in, in flames. In different contexts, of course, we do take imitable behaviour into account, and we will um, we will uh, ask to be cut something that's aimed at children that potentially um, that portrays dangerous behaviour in a way that it seems to be fun or safe. So, for example. Um, Lilo and Stitch, the Disney film, featured a character who climbs into and out of some white goods in the kitchen. It's a it's a tumble dryer, something like that. And Disney were keen on getting a U, and we said that they'd have to remove that sequence in order to uh, get a U. And they not only changed the sequence for the UK, they changed it for the entire world. Um, to be something that was not was not dangerous. There's another Disney film called Rocket Man in which a young boy 
jumps into a tumble dryer, manages to get it turned on and is spinning round and round. And um, this is all presented as great fun and his parents come into the room and it's all very funny and entertaining. And the issue for us there is it's presented as a, you know, putting someone in a tumble dryer and turning it on is presented as a very enjoyable, fun experience. Yeah. Had the parents come in and, and been horrified and said, that's unbelievably dangerous, don't ever do that again, that would have been more helpful in terms of mm -hmm. the classification. So we do take into account things like that. I mean, we've had cartoons where uh, companies have wanted a, a U rating that showed children putting bare wires into electrical plug sockets. So these are cases where we cut that kind of dangerous behaviour. Chickens playing with fireworks is another is another classic uh, trope from films that we will intervene on, give a higher rating, or um, demand that they they cut the sequ the sequence in order to get a, a low rating. Um, so yeah, it happens. Because so, I suppose it's one of the things that studios might not think of as much as other areas in their classification, I guess. Yeah, and it's not something that every country does. I think, I think the UK is quite unusual in taking, a, in taking into account this dangerous behaviour. Uh, we get together with our international counterparts on a fairly regular basis and we talk about all sorts of issues in all sorts of different genres. And imitable techniques is something that I think probably the UK is the, um, the BBFC is the hottest on compared to uh, some of our... Uh, counterparts in other countries and one just completely separate question because i it won't relate to this um is i believe we talked about it briefly at um film the house but obviously life of brian has been recently reclassified um so has the the bbfc's rules in terms of nudity changed since then or is it more about the strong language yeah can you remind me did we give life of brian a 12 on it recently? yeah yeah re yeah yeah it was it's to do with language um, and not to do with nudity at all, which would have been fine. I mean, there's natural nudity in the film, and that really wasn't a classification issue. From what I can recall, the key issue was strong language. And what came out of our recent guidelines consultation when we spoke to 10,000 people is that rather than counting, exclusively counting the number of uses of bad, of strong language, they, um, they asked us to take into account the way the language was used so is it aggressive? Is it accompanied with, by violence? Is it directed towards someone on, which would all be aggravating factors would point to a 15? On the other hand, if it's, if it's comic use, if it's not aggressive, if it's self-directed, it's much more likely to get a um, strong language, is much more likely to get a 12A or a 12. So in this context, it was the the, the number of times it was used alongside how how the how the language was used that meant it was it was fine at 12 12a and were all films that were originally um, rated double a were they moved onto a 15 automatically when the uh, classifications changed i don't know the answer to that question okay. i'll have to get back to you on that um and so then back into the hunger games we've got the tributes going to training and then um katniss tries to show her skills to the sponsors but they won't pay attention so she fires an arrow at the sponsor's apple to make them want to support her. Uh, I suppose that's also puts, not really imitable behaviour, I guess, but it's, it's yeah, dangerous. It's, it's, yeah. In, the con in the context of a fantasy, it's fine. It's fine. It wasn't a classification consideration with this particular film. So then uh, Katniss interviewed along with the other tributes. Peter tells the interviewer that he has a crush on Katniss and the tributes get uh, sent to spend their time in the Hunger Games. And they start fighting instantly. So we talked quite a bit about the, the cornucopia scene yeah. already. Um, so is is that one which the blood splatter is back on in the 
in the 15 cut that wasn't it's back on uh, in the 15 yeah. cut yeah it's back on i mean everything that 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 we saw that gave it a 15 is 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 in the cornucopia scene so all the blood was removed from the 12a and if you play them back to back um you can see there's a quite a difference in strength intensity and tone between the two versions of that scene I was say I've seen I saw the 12 rated version uh, probably about a year ago now and I watched the 15 one this week mm-hmm. um, and I don't think I noticed a massive difference this time but only because of obviously the how long it had been but um, yeah I, I mean it, it is quite a, a violent <laughs> scene however brief so it would have been quite annoying I suppose for one scene to change the classification for a film. Yeah, it wasn't. I mean, it's not unusual for one scene to change the classification of a film. But in this case, it wasn't only that scene. It was subsequent sight of injuries and wounds that um, that that were quite gory that also put the film up to up to 15 in the, in the earlier versions we saw. So when they make cuts and um, ask for it to be reclassified, does that uh, do they do the studio have to pay again to have the BBFC put on that or is that? No, part of... it's, it's part of it's all part of the service. I mean, I, I don't think it would be right if we, if the BBFC could benefit financially from making cuts. That just wouldn't sit right with me, or I don't uh, think it would sit right with industry. So, um, any work we do on cuts with the studio is all part of the service. Um, and so then the uh, a tribute dies, and Katniss starts to survive in the woods. Mm-hmm. And off camera, several tributes have fallen, and we have thirteen having died in the first eight hours i mean i suppose a lot of that was from the the cornucopia um yeah so katniss doesn't fight and millie sits and waits and then um where she is ends up getting set on fire so she has to move uh, and many people are surprised that she doesn't die i assume this was was the fire the same in both cuts yes yeah, so the fire is uh you know a character being set on fire is is you know potentially problematic at 12a and it would have contributed to the original 15 i mean you mentioned also that katniss doesn't kill anyone you know she hides really that was important in the classification if you'd have had the heroine who was you know leading the charge to murder all these other children that would have certainly had an impact on the classification i'm not sure we could have had such a an audience identification figure carrying out you know, brutal acts of violence rather than looking to survive and not kill anyone at 12A. And I suppose the fact that, yeah, that there's several conversations, even straight from the start, about why they all disagree with the idea of the Hunger Games, yeah. I suppose, definitely helps. With it, all, it all helps, yeah. yeah. It's an anti-violence film. Had it been a pro-violence film, I don't think 12A would have been achievable. Um, and I suppose it's also, in a very loose sense, near to, I sp- uh, in, in in a similar light to like the Truman Show, I guess, a sort of near satire against virtual uh, against reality TV mm-hmm. and things like that. Yeah. Um, which I'm thinking was probably, I mean, there's still reality TV still very popular, but I guess it was possibly slightly more relevant when the book came out in 2008 than now. Yeah, quite yeah. possibly. Quite possibly. Um, so then uh, Katniss is injured and she tends to her wound in a tree. Mm-hmm. Uh, was the site of injury an issue with the yeah, classification? Yeah, it was, it was very much toned down for the 12A version. A lot of the gore was removed. And so she uh, chops down a branch with a beehive in it and yeah. and harms those below the tree. And I suppose that, that, that's quite a, a disturbing 
moment there. Yes. Yeah, and I, my recollection is that scene was was slightly edited as well. And we have um, where Katniss meets Rue, and uh, she teaches her to whistle to the birds, which can mock and forward their their whistle. And I've then got the Katniss set fire to a trap, and then um, shortly after, Rue is caught in a different trap and ends up getting shot, and Katniss sings to her as she dies. So I suppose this is the first point in the film where a character we've become close to and related with has died. Is that something that you have to consider like the yeah absolutely. Uh, the audience's connection with the characters absolutely you know, that's uh, quite an emotionally intense scene and we have to be mindful of you know the age of children what age can they cope with you know loss that kind of trauma um i mean it's, in a sense it's not a million miles away it, thematically from um another film that we talked about luke which is my life as a courgette in which yeah. children are in quite challenging situations and have undergone some quite traumatic experiences and in that case we were able to classify the film pg um but they'd say it's very different tonally from um from uh, from the hunger games it's it's significantly less strong although children do recall and recount going through some quite um traumatic events and is it is it different in the film then as to uh, whether it's children that are involved and whether it's adults in terms of the emotional intensity I guess a, a lot of it depends on how closely uh, the audience will identify with the character children in particular identifying with the character so it's difficult to give you a general rule but uh, yes a, 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 a child character who's an audience identification figure in a film aimed at children dying or suffering in some way is going to have quite an impact on a on a young audience and we do take that into account i so say the, the prime example for that i can think of is probably a film like my girl um with the you know with the death of a protagonist which does happen off camera but i suppose that must have been part of the pg there. yes um, yes it will have been um so katniss then salutes to the camera and district 11 salute back um and it's announced that the two tributes can win if they're from the same district so she finds Peter and tends to his wounds, uh, then kisses him on the cheek, and Peter confesses his love to her. Um, and then Katniss gets attacked at the cornucopia um, by a District 2 girl in what's quite a strong, aggressive uh, attack, really. Mm-hmm. So was that um, was that scene the same in the 12 cut, or is it, is it slightly less intense? I, to be honest, I can't recall whether that scene was amended. I th- from my recollection, it was the same version in both the 12 and the 15, but I, I can double-check and get back to you. Okay. Um, and I suppose with with some things in terms of, as we said before, about theme and stuff, um, how are there several things that happen off-camera that can still lead to, like, implications that can still lead to high classifications? Yes, so um, a film can be about a particular subject that is not necessarily mentioned um explicitly in the in the film itself so films that deal with loss and bereavement i'm trying to think of a good example of where there's a subject matter of a film that well here's here's a i don't know if this is necessarily relevant but there's an episode of seinfeld the the us tv series called the contest in which which we gave a 12 to for sex references do you know the particular episode i don't i haven't seen much of seinfeld um, 
it's the contest is about how long the four main characters can go without masturbating. But the word masturbation is never used. It's just, you know, the audience knows exactly what it's about, even though it's not explicit. And um, given the, the sexual theme, we, we gave that episode a 12A. Whereas you could, if you were very naive and innocent, you could read it in an entirely different way, but be a bit confused as to what the contest is about. But yeah. no, it's about... It's about masturbation, so it needed a 12 certificate. And I suppose there was one thing which, in terms of implications or things happening off camera is um, there was, I believe, because I think I contacted uh, you guys before and there ended up being a podcast about it, about the uh, the Buffy spin-off Angel. Mm. And uh, there, there was one episode there where I think I think there's like quite a violent thing, but it happens either off camera or not much in shot, which still led to it getting its 18 classification. Um, I don't. Well, I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I don't know that uh, that episode. I'm afraid. Yeah. I'm gonna say I. I, I realise that you're not gonna have a, <laughs> the, the big knowledge yeah. of everything because <laughs> um, I can't remember specifically. But I remember it was definitely helpful to hear out why and how and why it got its classification. And does does with a TV series like does the classification of the whole series. Oh, and all the other episodes then lead you to possibly being like more lenient on a particular age rating, or if you're stuck between two, go with the the one that keep that obtains the the tone of the series. Well, if if if, if episodes in a TV series have different classifications, we're legally obliged to mark that series with the highest classification. Is that the question you're asking? Or... Uh, sort of slightly. I was thinking, like, say for example, I mean, with Angel, obviously you didn't, but say, you know, you got all of them where 15 is the highest, and obviously mm. with, with Buffy, that was always rated 15. Mm. Um, if you found something that was on the, the 15, 18, like, bar- border, really, um, would you be more likely to put it on a 15 to coincide with the rest of the series? Not necessarily. We would take We would take a view on the merits of that particular case that particular episode we'd look we'd look really carefully and consider very carefully what the uh what the rating should be but we wouldn't necessarily take into account the rating of other of other episodes i mean we do take into account that something may be a known quantity um so that's something with james bond for instance you know people know the the formulae for a james bond film they're very familiar with the character most of the recent films going back 20 or more years have been rated 12 or 12A, um, yeah. 12 before the 12A existed. Um, and people bring to a Bond film certain expectations, and um, provided those are met and the film fits a 12, 12A guideline, then you know 12, 12A is uncontroversial. Because I think I heard that that was one of the sim- one of the reasons that Alien ended up getting reclassified because of how people you know expect what is what was the most shocking scene in there um i think i mean alien, alien will have been you know alien's gone down from an 18 to a 15 as have a number of other films um as public attitudes towards um different classification issues change and that was a, a supernatural you know fantastical sequence that um public is much more tolerant of at 15 than it than, than it was back in the 70s when the film was classified and of course that was before we carried out public consultations back in the 1970s if a if a studio is to reclassify uh, a film or or even even the studio is to re-release the film does it have mm-hmm. to be reclassified beforehand or can they just reinstate the 
the age rating given? It doesn't have to be. I mean, sometimes a, a distributor will send a film in for reclassification, but if it's already got a classification, that is that's a legal that's a legally enforceable classification, so they don't need to. Um, if if standards have changed enormously since a film came out, um, then it might be sensible for the distributor to, to send the film in for reclassification, uh, but they don't they they don't have to. Um, and obviously, although it's not used very much, the the local authorities for each area do have the right cinematically, don't they, to to change the the rating for the films. They do. So, uh, in terms of um, cinema releases, local authorities are responsible for licensing cinemas, and one of the conditions of those licenses is that um, the cinema should not admit anyone into the into the auditorium if they're below the uh, age of the suitability of the film uh, and the task of age ratings is given to us at the BBFC by over 400 local authorities around the UK so we we work on their behalf and it's quite possible um, although it happens very rarely but it, it's quite possible for a local authority to overrule our classification and I mean, a recent example of that, well, recent, it's, it's a good few years ago now, uh, was um, This Is England, Shane Meadows' film, which we classified 18 for very strong racist violence. Um, Shane Meadows appealed to a number of local authorities in his, in his home area and in at Westminster and said that he thought the film had some very important messages for 15, 16, 17 year olds about the dangers of gang culture and joining gangs and that he would he thought it would be right for those local authorities to give the film a 15 and some of them did um, we show clips from uh, This Is England to uh, audiences around the UK as part of our education outreach work and there's one clip in particular that we show in which a bunch of neo-Nazi thugs um, break into a, an Asian man's shop and start vandalising the place and stealing things and abusing him on, and threatening him on, on, with racist violence. And w when we tend to show that clip to audiences, they say, yeah, we think 18. But, you know, ultimately, um, local authorities can decide and they can overrule us. So Life of Brian, we mentioned Life of Brian earlier. That's yeah. a film that we classified at the time, 15, without any cuts. A number of local authorities banned it altogether on grounds that it was blasphemous. So they can and very occasionally do um, move away from our ratings. And that's fine. It's an important element of local democracy at play in the in the film classification system. I'm going to say, and I believe that when I spoke to your switchboard about a short film I was working on, that I've heard that like a lot of short films and indie films or whatever tend to just get the classification from the local authorities rather than the, the BBFC prices. Yeah, well, it makes sense. I mean, if a film is getting a nationwide release, obviously it makes sense to come to the BBFC. If you are only showing a film in one or two local authority areas, and that may be the case if it's a festival of shorts or whatever, um, then there's absolutely no point coming to us, paying for a nationwide classification where you can just get a, a local authority classification for one, one or two areas, which tends to be cheaper. So we had... Uh, it's a while back now. It was the Glasgow Commonwealth Games, which is four or five years ago, something like that. And yeah. um, there were a number of films that were made to show in cinemas in Glasgow 
for the games, so at the launch of the games, at the closing of the games and during the games. And they were only ever going to be shown in Glasgow and um, companies were contacting us and asking us to classify these short films. And we said, we're happy to, but we think you'd be better off going to the local authority in, in Glasgow where the where the film is being shown and getting a getting a rating for them. You don't need to pay for ratings in London or, you know, everywhere else in the UK. So, yeah. We're good for nationwide releases. Uh, local authorities are good for very limited releases. And I think it's great that as a business, you do actually advise studios as to what's most, uh, you know, financially beneficial for them rather than just how the BBFC can make money out of it, which I think is brilliant. Well, that's not our job. Our job isn't to make money. Yeah. Our job is to provide a service to to help families choose and, and to give a good service to industry. I don't have shareholders. I don't have any shareholders breathing down my neck to say make more money. That's not our job. So is is the BBC, BBFC like government ran or charity ran? Like how is it? We're uh, our, our status is a private company limited by guarantee. We're a not for profit company. We are funded by industry for the services we provide. So for example, um, a company will pay a certain amount of money to get a feature film classified, depending on how many minutes it is. Um, we also work with the um, UK's mobile network operators. Um, so we set the standard at which adult filters are applied to content you access via your mobile phone, for example. And that uh, we charge the UK's mobile network operators like O2, 3, Vodafone and EE a set fee to do that. So we we charge industry for the service we provide, essentially. And that, I've noticed there have been some like video games that have had a BBFC classification on them rather than like the Peggy. Is that a, a thing that BBFC were involved with quite a lot? Or We used to classify a small minority of video games in the past. Um, so most video games were exempt from classification and were classified by PEGI, the Pan-European Games Information System, which is an organisation based in Brussels and they have branches in the Netherlands and the UK and they did, they did the classification. We did about 3% of video games back in the day. 97% were done by Peggy. And then the government, um, more than 10 years ago now, thought this is daft to have two different age ratings on the, on the box. 97% of games rated by Peggy and three by the BBFC. Why don't we just give all the, uh, the games to Peggy? So Peggy do... Almost every single video game is classified by Peggy. I can recall one video game in the last two years that carried a BBFC rating. And the only reason it carried a BBFC rating is because there was video on the game disc that was higher than the rating of the game itself. Huh. It was a motor, it was a MotoGP um, motorbike racing game. And the game itself was classified three by Peggy. But there was some footage, uh, some video footage of of um, motorcycle action and some kind of sexualized posing by pit girls that um, put the the video content at 12. So that game, that MotoGP game, you'll see in the shops with the BBFC 12. But that's the only game I can think of in the past couple of years that the overall package of which has has a BBFC rating. So how how would how would the game come into you? Because I assume they wouldn't just get you to sit down and play it. Like do they just show you like the individual? video part of the game so what happens it? is that the video regulator the games regulate the games gra games regulate regulatory authority the video standards council they send us um any video footage um in the game and ask us to to classify that 
and if that video footage is higher than the classification of the game itself, then the game will carry a BBFC rating. But generally, when we look at that video footage, it tends not to be, by and large, not to be higher than the game or the same level of the game, in which case the okay. rating applies. It's only on those really rare occasions where the video footage is classified more highly than the game that you'll see the BBFC um, rating on the packaging. I'm sorry, another question in terms of film. I realise I'm bouncing about in my points here. But um, with a lot of American films, especially the sort of... Um, the sort of sex comedy type thing you tend to have um in the u.s you know the the unrated version of the film like i assume that is that something that we can't have in the uk as an unrelated unrated uh, you're talking about a video um what tends to happen is it can be quite a cynical exercise so let's say a film is cut to get a 12a at the cinema or cut to get a 15 to maximise the commercial potential of the film. And then the material that would have been okay at the higher category, say 15 or 18, is just put back in for the DVD release. So it would be true to say it was unrated for the cinema release. It could have been rated. We could have given it the higher classification, but the company chose to make cuts to get a lower classification. So it tends to be the material that came out to get the low classification that just gets put back in. But it's not un, it's not unrated. We give it a rating when it comes out on DVD or Blu-ray. It's just that it's a different version, yeah. a stronger version. So has it has it been though with the from what I've read because I might, I might be completely wrong here that with some of the the MPAA stuff that they have had like released videos where the selling point is that it hasn't been classified almost and yeah the, the u.s system is different so the mpaa yeah. is a voluntary system anyway for, for theatrical releases okay. so you don't have to get uh, a rating from the mpaa in order to release your film in cinemas however most multiplexes will not take a an unrated film so there's a commercial incentive in the u.s to get your film rated uh dvd as well um doesn't have to be rated it's diff different different laws in the u.s Okay, and obviously you can have some DVDs with a BBFC in terms of like concert form and things where it can be exempt from classification. Mm -hmm. So uh, do they still have to get passed or looked through, or do you just, or do they just sold on that basis? No, something is exempt from classification. That's a decision made by the distributor. But we provide we provide uh, material to help. I mean, you talked about music videos. We, we, we provided music publishers with information to help them decide whether something's exempt or not. And if they're not sure, they can give us a ring and we'll say, yeah, that sounds sounds like it's exempt or no, we think you should put that in for classification. So it's very much a cooperative relationship. And we, we try to help as much as possible as we can to help companies decide whether they're going to claim exemption or not. But so, ultimately, it's their choice. As they... With exemption, are you are they likely to have anything exempt that would receive a high BBFC classification, or do they have to be sort of the more lower, more family friendly content? Legally, it has to be the lower content. So what what the law says at the moment, effectively, is if something would get a twelve or above from the BBFC, it's not exempt from classification. Okay. Um, so back into the Hunger Games, as I nearly forgot we were doing this. <laughs> right, the uh, the animals are sent in uh, to speed up the finale, and Katniss and Peter get chased by these animals. And obviously, there's a lot of tension and threat in um, this scene. Then after a fight with Katniss and Peter, the only other survivor dies, leaving Katniss and Peter as the winners. Mm -hmm. um, the previous decision uh, ends up being revoked, and now only Katniss or Peter can win. And they decide to take the poisonous berries together. Um, I mean, this 
this scene specifically reminded me an awful lot of the conclusion to Blue Lagoon. Um, which I, I, mean, I don't know a lot of the BBFC history around that, and I'm not going to ask you <laughs> to remember it all <laughs> if you've got the notes. But I mean, like. I can't, um, I can't recall the Blue Lagoon. Yeah. I may have seen it once when I was, you know, maybe 30 years ago, but I can't recall the film really. I remember so Brooke Shields was in it. Yeah. Um, so I suppose in terms of uh, the the tension and threat throughout mm. here, um, I suppose would you say if if the entire film was at a lower classification, that like this could have defined it the the idea of them deciding to die together. Yeah, that's that's not the sort of theme that could go at the very most the very most junior category. I mean, you mentioned the uh, the animal um, attack yeah. as well, which is quite intense, and we thought about that sequence very carefully before thinking that before coming to the conclusion that it was it was it was fine at at um, at twelve a again fantasy context. Yeah, I suppose, I suppose the fact that they that you see them almost creating the animals at the computer as well. It's yeah, it sort of gives the the tone. There. Yeah. Um, so then they decide to take the possibilities berries together. Decision isn't liked, and Katniss and Peter end up getting crowned as the winners. Mm. Before they're then uh, interviewed again and come home, I mean, after sharing their story. So that's the, you know, the overall conclusion to the film. Um, yeah. We normally have a segment on this show called film retitling. <laughs> Uh, where I deliberately don't give the guests any notice, and it's basically if you had to retitle the film, what would you call it? Uh, I wonder if you've got any ideas in this light. Uh, I have no, no ideas at all. Let me yeah. think. Um, Battle Royale Junior. I don't know. <laughs> no, I don't. I... Yeah. Yeah. You've given me no notice, and I've not. Um, I can't think of an immediate answer. That's fine. Hunger I'll Games. Hunger with... Games seems like a good title to me. Yeah. Um, and so, where can the listeners find you on social media? Uh, we're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. I think that's all the three major ones, isn't it? So you can find us on all of those platforms. So please do look us up on those platforms and do download the podcast. And so, uh, for our listeners, they can find this podcast on Facebook at Please Be Tweeted. Please Be Seated. They can find us on Twitter, if you excuse the pun, at Please Be Tweeted. Uh, they can find me on Twitter at Llama underscore Bottle Zero. And all of my podcasts, short films, and appearances are all available at LukeAllen.co.uk. All right, brilliant. Thank you so much uh, for listening to this episode, everyone, and goodbye. Goodbye. Please Be Seated is a Luke Allen podcast. For more podcasts, appearances and short films, visit lukeallen.co.uk.